Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone. It is so great to have you all here and our International guests continue with the amazing David Ralph of Join Up Dots based out of the UK. And we're going a little different today. We have one of the top podcasters in the world, over 4 million plus downloads and counting since the show started for David on Join Up Dots. We met because he had me on as his guest, gave me one of the best interviews of my life, and now the tables are turned, or the radio is turned on the amazing David Ralph. So, David, thank you so much for being on my show today. It's an absolute delight. It seems like it's a long time to do this. We've been talking about it for many, many months, so it's a a delight to finally be crossing the pond to you. You know, I was thinking about that. As we were trying to put this together, it's at least six months, if not more, since we tried to coordinate schedules and figure out how we could make this happen. So I am, you know, like the universe conspired and here we are. It's weird, though. I spend more time with you than my wife and we still haven't got around to getting this done. Yeah, and I understand you were uh, thinking about me in bed the other night. Always, always. (laughs) But but you're not the only one. I, I, I I think a lot in bed. Well, you know, I want to be the only one beside your wife. But, I mean, you were reading my book, so therefore you were thinking about me in bed. I didn't realize it was going to get so flirty and and (laughs) X-rated. Well, you know, I've got to do a little UK humor and and bring in some of that lightness of joy and heart that you bring into your show. So here you go. Yeah, you you give it to me. This is is great. I normally have to pay for this sort of treatment. You know what makes me laugh the most is how when you were starting to talk in some asides we've gone back and forth with about my book, I realized, I think I need to reread my book. Do you ever feel that way about your show? Do you need to go back and listen to some of the episodes you've recorded yourself to think about what's going on for you? Yeah, it's it's really good question. It's all about the questions, so that's a good one. I actually, I've just released 545 or something of my shows, and I've actually listened to every single one of my shows, sometimes four or five times. And uh, it's good to learn. And I say to everyone who's podcasting or being a radio host, the only way you can develop is by listening back and actually seeing the questions that didn't quite work or the ones that you've got to give a little bit more explanation to, or just the times when... You lose control of the guests. So I do. I listen back to all of them. And it's it's an interesting journey because I don't like going back to the very first ones too much because it's just not me. You know, it was a beginning. It was a start. So I, I sort of like to dabble back in the last 200s. But yeah, I listen to all of them. And I think you've got to do that to improve, haven't you? I, I do. I think it's really important. But you, you just threw something out there that I think is really fascinating for my listeners. You said you don't like to go back to the beginning ones because it's not really you. It was the beginning. So what's changed for you and you personally, not just the show itself, but you personally since the beginning, since you're saying it's not you? 
I think when you start a show, you have this idea in your head and it's perfect. It's realised. You know what you want to deliver. And I think it takes a while for that to start to come into play. Just because you're not experienced enough. You haven't got the confidence in your voice. You, you don't talk in the normal way. You know, as we're talking now on the radio, you wouldn't talk like this in normal life. You, you wouldn't walk into a house and go, hello, I'd like a cup of tea. You would just say, I'd like a cup of tea, please. You know, very flat. And so I think you learn microphone skills to make it interesting. And little by little, you bring more of your personality in until it becomes easy. And when it becomes easy, that's when you're really cooking on gas. And I, I tell everyone that I speak to when you find the thing that you can do easier than any anything else in your life that's really the thing that you've got to grab hold of and i remember reading that in your book actually a couple of days ago and you sort of re-emphasized that point that it's all right for it to be easy but you've got to have a journey to get to that easy point it's not natural and so my early shows i i can hear what i was trying to do but i hadn't got that vision of what i wanted to deliver and now i would say more often than not i do You've released 540 shows in a year and just, change. Is yeah, that about correct? No, just coming up to the, April the 30th of 2016, it will be two years to the day. And I used to release an hour episode seven days a week until I got to the year anniversary. And when I sort of said to my listeners, what do you want from Join Up Dots for the second year? And they said less of it. And it really sort of <laughs> surprised me because I thought that people would just dip in randomly when they fancied. But they were listening like every single episode. And so seven hours a week was a lot of listening to do. And some guys were trying to listen to each episode multiple times. So it blew my mind that people were trying to do that. But then it freed me up a lot. So I now go three times a week and with bonus episodes when I've just got something to say and you know what I'm like Laura I've always got something to say and um, it's just it's become more enjoyable because it's not a conveyor belt now I'm not just churning it out I'm sort of delivering I think quality content and it certainly indicates because the audience figures are going up and up and up well your show is not like most other shows right you have a serious focus and a common theme throughout your show, this whole idea of joining up dots, looking back into your past and seeing how the pieces all come together. How did you come up with that concept that makes it so that people just want to keep playing your show over and over again? I think I was very lucky. I come from a training background, so I was I, I was a corporate trainer. I used to stand up doing financial training courses on very boring subjects. I was in insurance and banking. So I used to always go for sort of 50% education and 50% entertainment. So even if it was a course that somebody didn't really want to go on, and in corporate land, more often than not, your manager sends you on things and you don't really want to do it. Um, I always used to try to sort of do game shows and fun things. And I kind of developed this personality that I knew worked well with people. So when I decided to do a business show based around a Steve Jobs speech of joining up dots, I realised that I had to do certain things that were fun certain things that you weren't expecting in the show. So we sort of go off on tangents and we talk about the Rocky films and Indiana Jones and sort of we, we blend in pop culture. And it's funny, 
although it's the content that I'm producing, people will email me more about the stuff that we go off track more than the actual content I'm delivering. And I think you're kind of missing the point here, but it still means that every single show can be different. And so you don't get that churn rate where people listen to three or four shows and then get fed up with it because literally I don't know the first word that I'm going to say when I press record. And so the listeners don't. And now the guests have already listened to some of my shows. So they kind of know the flavor. So they're more relaxed. They're more fun, um, which wasn't the case in the early days. People thought uh, it was going to be a business show, so they turned up with their business suits on, ready for those sort of question and answer episodes. And then I would hit with, you know, what, what position do you sleep in in bed? And it was like, oh my God, why is he asking this kind of stuff? Um, but it has got very much easier. But I think it's this kind of 50 50 education, entertainment, and a big splattering of um, inspiration as well, really. But why podcasting? What made you say to yourself one morning when you were working corporate and you no longer wanted to be in corporate that you were going to do this via podcasting? Because it was coming up in the world, but people still weren't making money at it. It was just something people were doing. Why podcasting? I thought I'd be good at it. As simple as that. And if you think you could be passable and develop something that you could be good at it I think that is a big clue to what you should be doing so I remember years ago wanting to be in radio always like that thought of actually talking into the microphone and it never kind of panned out I didn't put enough effort into it but nowadays this sort of entrance point to most things is almost non-existent you know we're creating radio shows online and for no more than about $50 a month you're basically you're a radio host and I can't kind of liked that and when I used to do the corporate training it was very much a case of uh, I was a big fish in a small pond people would come into the room or the arena or whatever you were doing and that was it but I listened to one podcast and I thought to myself it was funny I actually I listened to it and it wasn't the content it was more wow this is an American guy and I'm listening to this where else is his words landing and it suddenly made me realize it was global and when you dig into it, you realise not only is it global, but it's very easy to do. It beats things like blogging hands down, because with blogging, you've got to get people to come to your blog. With a podcast, you've got tools that just blast it out. And as long as you give people the right link, you can have it anywhere. So I'm on terrestrial radio stations. I'm on um, Roku, which is always it's always fun that I set it up so I'm on the telly when my wife sits down. She she doesn't like it, but I think it's fun. Um, so you can just get it <laughs> anywhere you want really, really easily. So I always say to people, if you're thinking of doing a blog and you're a writer, go through it. But if you're thinking that you can communicate, get on a podcast because it's the quickest way for global domination, really. So you're saying that your podcast is available on terrestrial radio as well? Yeah, I'm on Speak Up Talk Radio, which is um, a network in America. I must admit, I don't know where it lands, but I've been told it's on something like 260 um, terrestrial radio stations across America. And it just, it makes me smile. It really does. But people are tuning through for sort of like Johnny Cash and then they get some idiot from the United Kingdom talking about Indiana Jones films. But it's it's just doable. And it's, it's so cheap the way that you can do it. And once you sort of get your equipment, the outlay is the first thing and then it's just practice and after a little while you know you know what it's like Laura it's it's the best thing you can do with your clothes on isn't it really 
Yeah, it's my favorite hour of the week when I get to be with everybody. And when we come back from the commercial break, we're going to be talking more with David Ralph, top podcaster around the world, and also on terrestrial radio, as I just found out he is. So terrestrial radio meets podcaster meets terrestrial radio. We'll be right back with more from David Ralph. So, David, before the commercial break, you began to talk about how easy it is to start a podcast. Now, we I know that it's not easy to get to the point where you have 4 million downloads and counting to be one of the top podcasts on iTunes. I know I work really hard at it and my show regularly hits into what hot, what's hot, but you are regularly in the top 10 podcasts on um, iTunes throughout, throughout the world at all the locations that you can track. What's involved with starting a podcast? What do people really need besides a voice and an idea? Well, the main thing that people need is the bit that they seem to miss out on. If you go onto iTunes, you, it's a graveyard for shows that people start and they finish within about eight or ten episodes. And so I think the main thing is to know yourself. And I always say to anybody out there, if you're going to start doing a podcast, look for that subject that you are the most boring person on earth. You just want to keep on talking about it and people go, oh my God, oh, don't mention podcasting to David. Here, go on forever and a day. And once you get that, that's your starting point. And then after that, then you need to find a microphone, and that's very cheap, about $60, a very good internet connection, and a a free recording. Now, I use a paid recording because I like certain ease of um, production afterwards. But you literally can do £60 on that, an internet connection, maybe a $30 mixer, and hosting because you put your files onto a central hosting point and from there on it's blasted out to anywhere that you give them the link and it's a really sort of cost effective way to do it and so i say i probably spend with all everything round about hundred dollars a month i would say and to think that you can actually create something that can then go into multiple six figures and some people are doing sort of millions it is unbelievable and the best thing of all is it's ahead of the curve this is still the wild west you know it started probably around 2004 ricky gervais time and he sort of really led the way but now people are sort of jumping onto the bandwagon because they realize there's an opportunity that hasn't been seen for for many many years and it's hugely exciting yeah, you know, in in the United States, people think radio and they think money and they think that every radio host is paid and that they make all sorts of money off the commercials. And for those of us in the industry, we know that's not necessarily how it works, depending on your agreement with your radio station. How do podcasters make a living as podcasters since it is something you're you do it from your garden, right? You have a, a room back there? Yeah, I have a recording studio. I, I call it a real recording studio. People call it a shed. Um, it's at the back of the garden. But it's a good question. How do you make a living on it? Because when you start, obviously, you're just broadcasting into into air. And you hope that people are going to start listening to you. So the, the quickest way, if you build an audience very, very quickly, then you can put sponsorship on there. And you can put sponsorship at the front and at the end. And what they call a mid-roll, which is about sort of 45-second one halfway through the show now i never really liked that because i always thought that the the sponsors are going to give you peanuts compared to actually building your own product and then advertising it on your show so i don't do a lot of advertising at all because I, i want the content to stand on its own but you then get loyalty 
And so people will come to you asking you to sort of teach them to do certain things. So a lot of people do coaching. Then you can do group masterminds. You can do public speaking. Once you get a profile, then people will ask you to stand up on stage and speak about a certain subject. Um, and so there's probably about eight or nine different ways writing your book based on the subject. That's an interesting one as well. So you sort of you branch into avenues of monetization. But of course, it all starts on getting an audience. And if you can get an audience quickly by producing content that people like and they don't get bored with that is the key thing and that sort of takes us circles us back to why it's so important to get your personality in there and create something that isn't just question and answer question and answer because some of the shows out there you literally know when they're going to ask the question what it's going to be and people get bored with it so you've got to just Throw caution to the wind, put yourself into it, heart and soul, and see what comes out the other way. But if you do it well, then there's huge monetization. What was one of the biggest lessons you learned along the path of having this many shows and being, you know, one of the top shows out there? What was a key lesson that you learned? I think the key lesson was how much behind the scenes people tell you you have to do, but you don't. So I used to, in the first year, I literally aged overnight. It was like Benjamin Button. I was getting older and older and older. And I was doing 20-hour days, really, seven days a week. The show was just a tiny little part of it, but people were saying, oh, you've got to have an Instagram account and you've got to be on social media and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And I bought into that. And probably six months into it, I just got to a point where I thought, my energy is gone. I was literally having a breakdown. It wasn't good. And people were saying, oh, you look terrible, David. You need to sort of sort yourself out. So I just stopped doing stuff and then looked to see if it made any difference to my audience. And fortunately, it didn't. So I realized there's a lot of what people tell you that you need to do, but you don't. The key thing comes back to time and time again, consistency and quality. And if you consistently deliver what that audience wants and they like it, then all the social media and stuff can sort of go and fly it, really. And I don't do hardly any of that anymore, um, which is it makes it an enjoyable process as well, because you only do what we're doing now. Okay, so I hear two things in there. One, I hear don't believe what everybody tells you need to do. Figure out what works for you and your audience. Yep. And two, I hear a little bit of trust yourself and give yourself time to figure it out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would say there's a lot of podcasting training out there, which actually led me to creating my own podcasting training. And I now look back on it and I think it's wrong. It's just totally wrong. And it's proven to be wrong because so many shows dry up. So, you know, there's got to be some fundamental flaw in how people are being taught. But you do. You, you need to give yourself the ability to grow into it. You need to say, OK, I may not be global dominating in six months. It might take two years. It might take 10 years. But if you love doing it, that doesn't matter. You know, you're going to come back to it time and time again. It's like the most fun hobby. And I do think there is that kind of realisation across the world that things aren't overnight success anymore. I think there was a time that we all bought into it, that you could click this button and you could link to a few websites and you could make millions overnight. Now I think we're getting back to the realisation that it takes work. And if you put the work in and you do it really well and you become as good as you possibly can be, then the rewards are there. But it's a journey you've got to go on. 
Okay. So what do you say to somebody who feels they've done all those things, right? They've put the time in, they've got the consistency and it's not happening. And, you know, it's a couple of years in and they just seem to not be able to make any inroads. How do you respond to somebody like that? Well, it might be the wrong subject that they've chosen. There's not enough breadth to it. It might be the case that, you know, they're not producing what people want to listen to. So I would say in that situation, if you've built an email list, write out to people and say, you know, what do you think of the show? Really be sort of warts and all. Don't be too precious on what you're delivering. Say to people, you know, what do you want? Like I did after the year. I really thought that people would say, same again, same again. We love it. But when they all can't, emailed me back saying I think it was the phrase we're drinking from the fire hose we can't keep up with what you're delivering then you realize that hang on something's got to change and fortunately once I changed even though a few people said no no you know do it in seasons do sort of 30 shows and then stop and then come back and I said no I'm going to do it three days a week leading to four days a week that was the right thing to do and it's made it so much easier and my audience has grown because they've got chance to breathe I think so you've really got to ask your audience am I delivering what you want and if they say no don't get upset by it just go right okay this is my learning and then and sort of change and pivot so it's not about you it's about them it's always about them, isn't it? It's what you're doing. You're asking questions that you might be vaguely interested in, but you're asking them on the behalf of the people that can't ask them, i.e. your listeners. Right. And that's a big part. But I also look at things and go, what are they not asking that they really need to be asking? Yeah, but that's, right? that's you. That's the whole concept yeah. of it's all about the questions. Yeah, absolutely. But you have a brain that is a bit freaky in certain ways you ask things and it's true isn't it you ask things that sort of cuts through everything it's like the super questions you ask um, but I think a lot of people don't do that I think a lot of people ask the kind of layman's questions and what they need to do is start asking the real question I'm a great believer in the 80-20 principle I believe that 20% of our efforts bring 80% of our rewards you've got to look at what that 20% is now I found my 20% and I know what it is and it's the more personality I put in the more relaxed I become the more engaging the content becomes the more relaxed the guest comes and the better the show is and fortunately it's quite easy to do when you start to do it but until that point you just slog 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 trying to find that thing um, so yeah you, you really got to be focused on what the listeners want but you do have to ask those questions as you say the super questions to find out really you know, where am I going wrong? All right. And with that, we're going to go into the news break. Might not be one all the listeners want, but what the radio station requires me to do at the half hour point. So when we come back from the news break, we're going to be talking more with David Ralph. And David, I'd love for you to share when we come back from the news break, how you define success, not only in your podcasting world, but in life, because you made a radical shift and you have a lovely wife and children. So how do you define success? We'll be right back. Okay. All right. So you don't know what we were talking about during the commercial break, but David said he is born ready. He was born ready. So are you born ready to achieve success, everyone? Everyone, though, has a different definition of success. I know what mine is. We'll talk about it on another show, and I keep reinventing it. But David, what is your definition of success? And do you have different ones depending on which part of life you're talking about? 
Uh, yeah, I, I kind of have my personal success and then I have my business success. And my personal success is totally different. It, it's quite small scale. My personal success is to create something where I literally... I'm totally in control of it. I can turn it off and no one gets me. When I was in corporate land, I used to be bothered all the time. And they always used to want me to have a mobile phone or a tablet so they could connect me and email me. And when I did my own job, people said to me, oh, you've got to have a tablet now. You've got to be contactable 24 hours a day. So my own personal success is creating something that I can switch off. And for days or weeks, that's it. I'm totally uncontactable. And so I think that's my personal one. And it's a kind of weird control thing that I've got going on there. But my show one, I'll be honest, I want it to be the biggest show ever. I, I want to blow every single show out the water. And I have these discussions with podcasters when they say, as long as I'm affecting one person, I'm happy doing the show. And I think, why? Why, why do you want to just affect one person? Affect 12 billion people if you can do it. So I do have a success that I'm totally driven to for the show. But my personal one is kind of very small and personal and it's just that the show doesn't overtake me. It's weird. I want the success of the show, but I don't want the show to define me either. I just want to be able to become invisible somehow. So you want to have your own life, but you want to have business success. So how do you make that happen in your daily life you set your stall out you set your stall out right at the very beginning you need to know what you want from your life so that every decision you make in your business life plays to what you want in your personal life and I don't think people do that I think people do the corporate leap and then they're obviously so desperate for money because you need to get these things off the ground that they will just grab at anything um, and it's not really what they want to do I've turned down lots of money that I just thought a, it doesn't sound fun, or B, it's what I used to do. And so I just haven't done it. Um, and uh, I think I was a bit precious, actually, on that. And now some of the stuff I was running away from in my corporate life, the sort of training, the sort of public speaking, I've got the urge to get back to do that now. But I do think you just have to set your stall out. And if you make every decision based on what is right for you personally and professionally i don't think you can go wrong really it's just when you just follow the money that's when it all gets a bit screwed up so you focus on what you want in your personal life to drive your business life so if if you want to be able to provide certain things to your family, have the time to be with your family and take a walk in the middle of the day around the local castle. You can do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's, that's absolutely me. And nobody can deviate that. I get a lot of people contacting me now because my show's successful saying, oh, can we phone you because we need to talk to you? And I say, no, you can't. Just, just, you know, you can't. You, you can Skype me on a certain day if I'm free, but other than that, you can't. So everything that I do in my life is me going outwards. It's me making a choice to do it. I don't allow anything to sort of come into my vicinity. Now, that probably shoots me in the foot sometimes because there's opportunities that are floating past me and because I'm not reaching out for them, um, 
I, I miss out on them. But I don't think that matters for me, really. I think at the end of the day, I was very influenced by that Tim Ferriss book when he was saying how he created a company and it almost destroyed him until he managed to free himself. And I just thought, in corporate land, you have to free yourself and you can't. That's what you do. You turn up at eight o'clock, you have to be there till five or whatever. Once you're an entrepreneur, the amount of people I speak to that say, oh yeah, I used to do 80 hours a day, uh, 80 hours a week in corporate and now I do 100 hours as an entrepreneur and I think, well, you're doing it wrong. You're a complete idiot. Why, why are you creating a life that's more restrictive than the one before? You should be able to go for walks in the middle of the day if you want to. Just get it right. Every decision is you making it and nobody else's. It sounds to me, and I know I've said that phrase before on the show, but you have focus. It's something that I've not seen amongst most podcasters I talk to, and actually most entrepreneurs and business people I talk to. You seem to be able to say, I'm going to do two hours right now, and I'm just going to solely focus on this part of my list of things that I need to get done, and then... As long as I get that done today, I'm okay and I can do the next things. But during those two hours, you are 100% focused in on that. Would that be a correct assumption of how you work your day? Yeah, I'm sort of regimentally flexible, if you can use that phrase. It's, for example, I know when I'm going to work on Mondays, when I'm going to work on Tuesdays, I know when my free time is. I know when I'm not going to do anything. And I batch work. So, like, join up dots my show, I only do it on Thursday. And if anybody asks me to do it on another day, it's not going to happen. You've got to get on that schedule. My Sunday mornings early, um, I write all my introductions Productions and do my sort of due diligence on the show so I know that Sunday morning Monday I do something else and I just block it so I know my energies are ready for that task and I don't sort of dilly-dally I don't jump into this and jump onto that and then look at Facebook so a lot of people say god you do so much because I've got my sort of coaching academy I've got another members only podcast I've got loads of things going on but I do it in very quick bursts and one of the things I learned a long time Laura was um, Parkinson's law where if you give yourself two hours to do a task it will fill those two hours so if you give yourself 20 minutes and really focus on it more often than not the quality is still the same it's just that you've really got your head down and if you really get your head down on that focus more often the quality is even better because you're not allowing yourself to be distracted so everything I do I know when I'm going to do it I set myself a clock and I've got to get that task done in that time Yet you're regimentally flexible, which, by the way, everybody tweet that out. I know David's not into social media, but I love the interaction. So tweet out at the Laura Stewart, since I can't do it while I'm sitting here. Are you regimentally flexible? I love that. So where does the flexibility come in? Well, the flexibility comes in that when I've got my free time, I make sure it's free time. You know, as I say, no one can contact me. No one can phone me. I'm just off the radar. Absolutely. So when I'm sitting indoors, I haven't got anything. So I can't have a, a laptop on my lap watching telly. I just watch the TV, you know, and I can go out and be with my kids or whatever. If it fits within that time, then I can do it. And I also get up very early. You know, I did go for a walk past the castle this morning and that was I went out at 10 to 6. It was frosty, um, but I loved it. 
and I got it done. I squeezed it into my life, got it done, and then I can sort of move on. And yeah, I think regimentally flexible is the way for life. You know when you're going to get your free time, so you make the most of that free time. You know when it's your work time, you make the most. Because most people kind of just seem to spread it out, and they just do stuff all the time. When I just think, oh, just have a life. Go down the pub. Have a pub lunch. I love having pub lunches, Laura, with my wife. And I also love going to the movies on like a Tuesday morning when there's no one else in there except for old people and me and the wife sit sit there (laughs) i live in florida that's all you see in movie theaters yeah i can imagine yeah and i I love that and i still never lose that thrill of thinking ah i used to be at work and here i am watching watching a film at at 10 o'clock on a tuesday morning squeeze it in make sure that it happens and enjoy it because it's something you enjoy so you're scheduling into your day your week your year moments of other things that give you joy yeah i know when i'm gonna have my sort of annual holiday i know when i'm gonna have my weekends away i know when i'm gonna do anything really i know that every two wednesdays it's totally free i don't log on i don't do anything at all i know that my sunday evenings are free i just got this calendar in front of me i'm looking at it now and it says work work free work work free and it just tells me exactly when i'm doing it now one of the problems i used to have was i enjoyed doing the show so much that it became a hobby so where does work stop and hobbies start you know so my free time it kind of got merged and I realized no hang on this is stupid you know I am working all the time so I'm I'm nailed onto that nailed onto that and I know what I'm going to do at those certain times and that is a big trap for entrepreneurs especially solopreneurs where that here's what I do for a living merges with hobby and then they tend to burn out or get so narrow focused that at some point in time they're what they're doing for a living loses spark for them yeah because they're not seeing what's outside so if you could do anything outside of doing your podcasts and talking to the people who love you what would it be and we're going to talk about that when we actually come back from the commercial break. David's going to tell us what he does for fun besides walking around the castle. We'll be right back with more from David Ralph. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. So, David, we were talking about how entrepreneurs sometimes get so narrow focused that what they love doing, they burn out on. What do you do to stop burnout in yourself? I think you just have to walk away and not get too precious about it. I think at the beginning, I set off like a rocket. You know, I was going to achieve hundreds of thousands of dollars each month within six months. And once I hit that six months and I was a million miles away from that, I think... I think sensibly I realise it's going to take as long as it takes, but you've got to enjoy the process. And I think I've got that quite well, really. I think that everything I do, if it's if it's going to take five years, but then I live the rest of my life like I want, then I'm willing to do that because I've already kind of wasted 45 years doing a load of other stuff. And so now I've found my thing. It can, it can find its feet. And I've got this big poster of steve martin the comedian and it just says be so good that they can't ignore you anymore and i think that takes time to get to that point so i would say to all the entrepreneurs and solopreneurs out there is just you know let it go 
Just do your best, wake up the next morning and go again. But give yourself chance to recharge because it won't go to, you know, it won't screw up overnight. I used to think it did. I used to think I'd have to be on, on it all the time. It doesn't. And even with my show, if it doesn't go out for some reason, I've never had that yet, it won't kill anyone, will it? They just wait a couple of days and then get two episodes. So you've just got to be relaxed and enjoy it. And then you will enjoy it. It's when it becomes too precious. I've had a, a number of people shoot me emails while we were talking. They're curious. You mentioned you had created a course that is very different from all the other podcasters courses out there. And, and I've seen podcasters mastery and I've relied on it for a while now to teach me some things. Can you share a tip or two from your, your course on things that anybody interested in starting a podcast should be thinking about besides the whole content thing? Well, the, the, the main thing is you've got to streamline every process. You've got to bring down your editing. Now, what you will do when you become a podcaster, you will find that you try to polish, you try to make your show the best audio as possible. And I've heard nightmare stories where people are spending two or three hours per show taking every um and r out of it. But I always... Yeah, they don't all have my producer, Shane, who does that for me. Oh, well, he's good. We, we could all do with one of him. But, but what you need to do is is not polish your show. You need to polish yourself and you need to practice the way you speak so you don't um and ah and you become far more fluent so that you get to the point when your editing is non-existent. My whole shows literally take about 19 seconds after I finish to get them out online and it's job done just because I knew right at the very beginning that I was never going to edit. And other than some major technical issue that I've had a couple of times where, you know, the, the internet crashed and so we get one part of the show and then we join it up with the next one. Other than that, I don't think I've ever edited any of my shows. And because of that, I've got better and better at doing it. So I would say to everyone, once again, go for the journey, practice, 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 but get yourself better. Don't rely on technology to make your show better, make yourself better. And it makes it so much easier. That's why I love live radio, because... I can't edit myself yeah. after the words have come out. So, And even keynote speaking and stuff like that. You're required to be very centered in your being and be conscious of what you're saying before it comes out because you can't take it back. Yeah, I must like, admit, I'm not that conscious of what I say ever. Um, even in sort of live environments, I think it, it just comes out of you. And I find, Laura, I don't know if you find this, more often than not, when you're not thinking about what to say, you almost ask questions that when you listen back, you think, I don't even know how I thought of that question, but that was the best question of the day, just because you've totally relaxed and sort of gone with it. So, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you will learn far more doing what you're doing than any podcaster will do within about five years, because they've got that opportunity to polish it afterwards you haven't i, I listen back to my show because it goes to podcast afterwards and i go wow that was a pretty cool question i asked i don't even remember asking it because you're just in the zone when you're doing it and at the time it just comes out because it's the right thing to do at the time so david when you started podcasting and you were trying to set up your process for the way you work. It's very different than today where you talked about you've got it all set down. It only takes you 19 seconds to edit. 
If you could change anything about the way you're working now, what would it be? I wouldn't change anything, to be honest. I think well, I think at the moment it's it's absolutely perfect. Now I would have changed things leading up to this, but at the moment this is it. I can't imagine that I'm going to change anything at all. And as I say, I get companies saying to me, "Oh, we do this for you, we do that for you," and I just say, "I don't need it. I just don't need anything at all. I can literally just do the show, and I can do the show in a day and have six days off if I want. And I don't think there's many podcasters that can say that." I love your answer to that. And I've asked that to so many people and they never give me that answer. And I've not asked it on the air. You're the first person I asked it to on the air. So I, I challenge my listeners out there. If when you ask yourself that question of what would you do differently, if you have a really, really long list, then you need to sit down as David talked about. And David, what would you say to them? I, I would say if you've got things that you're doing that aren't you're 80-20, that they aren't actually benefiting you, just get rid of them, first of all. If you find that you're duplicating work, so you might be typing the same title on an email, for example, 20 times a day, sort out templates. You know, everything you can do that you do more than once, look at a way of automating it. And there's tools everywhere. And more often than not, they're free tools as well, which is great. And so you don't have to spend a lot on all these systems. But just look at it and think to yourself, do I need to be doing that you know I dabbled with virtual assistants and then I realized that it was actually better to just become more streamlined in my own systems than pay somebody to do stuff for me um, and I think that's that's a big wake-up call for so many people they they try to do everything they can't but more often than not they're doing the stuff that isn't actually benefiting the end product and for me my end product is getting more and more listeners if I can get more and more listeners then a lot of the things that have caused me an issue will just disappear naturally it's got to happen four million downloads and counting where do you want to be as I say, I want to be at the top. I want. To, I don't want to be one of these shows that people stumble across. I want to be one of these shows that people come to. You know, like a brand. Um, I was on being. It was my two hundredth show. I was trying to think what number, and I asked a guy, you know, what what do you want next year? And he said, well, what do you want next year? And sort of threw it back at me. And I just sort of came back with what I want to do. I want to have the show really high. I want to have a training department where we can get people going. You know, get them pulled out of that quicksand and start dreaming. I want to have you know online training courses, but I want to have a life as well. And I'm very very structured. And you know, Laura, for the work that I do behind the scenes it's coming together and all those things I could have done a lot quicker but I'm doing it in the right way so that I get all those things so I, I think that would be the answer to that I, I love that that's so perfect because you're really helping people and I'm glad that came out where you want to go next is really just to have join up dots of be heard by more people so that it enables you to help other people who want to get started or go to the next level with whatever they're thinking about doing. You, you want to help them start their dreams and set it off. Yeah, I don't have a big desire to be a business coach. That's not really me. And I, I've earned quite a bit of money doing that. And I'm actually quite good at doing it. I'm very good at kicking people around when they need to. But what I like is that thought of just getting that person 
to dream, getting that person out of the cubicle, getting that person to think, yes, it's possible. And then kind of throw them like a dove so that they can fly, you know, just that beginning bit. And um, I'm seeing that more often than not, that some of the people that I have encouraged, and I would say that's all I do really is encourage and support. They are now coming as guests on Join Up Dots, my show, because they've done so much. They are now entrepreneurs in their own right. And that is my greatest satisfaction to make everything circular, that my show inspires a listener to that degree that they actually end up on the show. And if I could get that every single day, I think I would really achieve the success that I want. Well, I know you, you've done that for so many, and I loved being on your show as a guest, and I'm grateful that you were on my show today. I loved every second of it. And you didn't talk about Katy Perry or all the other things that I like talking about. You, you were professional. We'll, we'll have to do that in another episode, David. I'll come back. I'll come back and we will do a Katy Perry mega mix. <laughs> Sounds perfect. So, David, how do people listen to your show? And a couple of people have asked about the course on podcasters. How do they find out about that? Where should they go check it out? Well, the easiest way is if you Google join up dots and um, all my training courses are on there. Interview masterclass, my podcasting training or my sort of get going, start to dream. Um, that coaching platform's on there as well. So join up dots is the hub and you'll, you'll find over over, well, 550 shows or something on there as well. So there's a lot of listening. I love it. I, I listen to Join Up Dots regularly. And I just want to give a shout out to Dan Trilk, who um, we, is a mutual friend of ours who just launched his album and was recently on your show. He's one of those people that used to listen to your show and it was on your show. So shout out to Dan Trilk, who's launching his album this week, I believe. Absolutely. And on, it's, on iTunes. It's a great album. You know, I it's... I'm not a big country and Western kind of person, but this album that he's created bridges everything. And I play it a lot. I really do like it. And it's perfect because he's living, you're getting somebody that's lived the dream and David, you ignited them. So thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And everyone remember the right questions truly can change your life. Sir, what are you asking today? Have a great day, everyone. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.